Hey, everyone. Thanks so much for joining me on the Slice of Healthcare podcast. I'm Jared Taylor, and I'm joined by my co-host, Leila Yari, and our special guest, the CEO of Aura, Tom Hale. It's great to be here, Jared. All right. We're going to jump into the founder's story. So can you share a little bit about the Aura story for those who are hearing about the company for the first time? Yeah. So Aura was uh, founded actually as a Kickstarter uh, in 2013 in Finland. Um, and this was back in the, you know, I mean, like wearables were kind of a new idea and a group of, uh, very forward thinking Finnish folks, uh, had a vision that there should be a thing as, as a health ring. And so they threw together a Kickstarter, raised some money. And three years later, they shipped version one of the aura ring. And for those of you who have never seen version one of the aura ring, imagine like a black obsidian, Super Bowl ring. It was giant. Um, it looked like a small turtle uh, was sitting on your finger. Um, and it got some really uh, great traction on Kickstarter. Folks were really kind of enthused by the idea of a health ring. That, and they led with sleep tracking and, and understanding kind of your, your temperature and a bunch of things about your body. And it was a, it was a, a big success. Uh, it turns out that people really uh, welcomed the idea of something that wasn't uh, uh, there was a sleep tracker that you didn't have to wear on your wrist. Um, and so that was how it got started. And a couple years later, shipped Gen 2 uh, ring, which took it down to kind of the current form factor and size. If you haven't seen, it's about, you know, this big. Uh, extended the battery life, extended a bunch of new capabilities and introduced, you know, sort of a new software experience. And then after that, uh, Gen 3, which is uh, the current version. And there's two styles. There's the Horizon style and the Heritage style. Uh, for folks who want to choose and a, a wide range of colors, you can get silver, gold. Uh, we have a new brush titanium. It looks, it's very, very chill and uh, black and stealth are the, are the main flavors. So it's, it's been a, it's a, quite an interesting ride as, as a company, um, sort of achieved some amount of, of, uh, fame and renown. Uh, lots of people wear them, uh, lots of, uh, famous folks, a lot of athletes, a lot of celebrities. Uh, but it's, it's really, you know, it's become something where people want to track their health. And, and so they use a ring to do it. it. And Tom, you obviously have this incredible leadership background. You've worked at so many great companies. You've led these companies. What do you bring with you from these past experiences to Aura? Um, and, and particularly, you know, you have some, you have a lot of work regarding, uh, hardware and software, like how specifically has that leadership experience helped in that arena? Well, I mean, first of all, I, I come to this with a tremendous amount of humility. And, and maybe that's the first thing. Um, thinking about people's health, thinking about hardware, thinking about making assessments of, you know, things that people can do to improve their life. I mean, it's very humbling. And, and I, I, I approach it with a, a spirit of, of wanting to make an impact, a positive impact in the world. Um, I also come at it, and I think this is true in every job that I've had and every company I've worked at, that, that I come at it with a real passion for the product. And my, my personal story here is that I actually, uh, for the first time in my life, uh, in the fall of 2021, uh, was losing sleep. Um, I've always been a championship sleeper. Um, anybody who knows me can attest to the, the ability that I have to fall asleep and stay asleep. But at this juncture, uh, a variety of things were happening, COVID, stress on my, my family, stress in my professional life, I really started losing sleep and, and it, it became clear that I had to do something about it. So I started doing some research and I stumbled uh, into Aura um, as something that people were using to track and, and monitor their sleep. And I was like, oh, look, I'm, I'm a data-driven person. I believe, you know, if you measure something, you can manage it. And so I started 
uh, wearing Aura. And, and funnily enough, in, in a matter of a few short weeks, I had changed a few key behaviors, mostly alcohol, caffeine, uh, late night uh, Netflix binging and staring at my phone. Um, but I also, you know, changed the temperature in my room and, and um, uh, uh, started approaching my bedtime sort of a little bit more, um, I guess, methodically than I had in the past. And in the matter of a few short weeks, it really had made a huge difference. Um, I, I liken it to stepping out of a, a black and white TV into a full Technicolor movie. Um, cognition, mood, behavior, energy, all these things were really improved when I kind of got my sleep sorted out. And I had such a profound experience. I was like, I need to be involved in this company. So I reached out to the, uh, to the company and it turns out that they were doing a CEO search at the time. And they said, oh, you know, we're not interested in you. you you're a software person by training. Um, I said, oh, but I understand hardware. I can do it. They said, no, no, no. We, we, we want someone with a consumer background. I said, no, you want somebody who's really passionate about this product and I'm your guy. And it took, it took some convincing, but ultimately uh, I convinced them that, that I was the right guy for the job, which I think just, I think says anything, which is if you're going to work at a company, you probably should have a really strong connection to the product. And that's, that's really powerful. I find it's, it's super interesting that like kudos to the founders too. I feel like, and, and correct me if I'm wrong, Tom, but I feel like more startups should have that, that kind of foresight to, to say, you know, maybe we need someone that, that can lead that. Like it doesn't always have to be the founders. And this is a perfect example of that, right? Like you can find other passionate people like yourself that understand the space that are, are going to take the company to the next level. Um, so, so how, when, how early was it when you, when you met with the founders where you're like, they're very, cause that's, that's a rare thing for a founder to say early on, right? Like we're going to, we're going to pass the torch to someone to lead this company. What was it about that situation that just made sense? Well, you know, it's, it's a, um, a little bit further back um, than, than even my joining. And I, I have met, uh, I met the, the founder, a guy named Pettery. And, you know, I think, I think you're absolutely right. Founding a company takes a tremendous amount of foresight, a tremendous amount of vision. Uh, and then, you know, really, you want to be able to recognize that, that a company reaches a certain scale. Um, you know, I, I, I don't necessarily know that, that um, I, I uh, you know, I, I, I'm the, the CEO that the board selected. Let's put it that way. Um, and by, by, by putting myself out there as somebody who really believed in the product, I think, you know, I think I earned some of the, the trust of, the, of, of, uh, of Pettery, who was, who was the founder that I met. I, I think, you know, founders to, you know, non-founding CEO transitions. I mean, someone should write a book about it. It's, it's, uh, it's a complicated and, and maybe even difficult and challenging moment. Um, you know, you, 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 you do it at your peril sometimes. I think some of the greatest CEOs in tech today are, are founder CEOs. You look at Mark Zuckerberg or Mark Benioff. I mean, they're, they're folks who, who founded the company and rose all the way up. Uh, that being said, if you've got the passion that, that a founder has for your, for your company, your product, I'm not sure it matters. And I think this is a product I'm super passionate about. And so I think it, 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 it fits in. And uh, everybody at the company is mission driven. I think this is true. And Jared, you know this. I think this is true of health companies in general. Um, people have a real sense of wanting to do right by the world and have a positive impact on the world. And that is a, that's a very common thread that runs through most uh, startups that have anything to do with health. Um, so that's, that's true here at Aura. And, uh, and I'm, I'm part of that as well. And going back to the, the product, 
I read somewhere, I, I don't know where the source was, but roughly like 30% of Aura ring wearers also wear an Apple Watch, right? Yeah. So how do you see Aura differentiating itself in this competitive wearable market? Yeah, it's, I was fascinated by that stat. In fact, it's, it's, it's two-thirds of, of Aura wearers actually have a second wearable. Um, and, and a third of them are, are, are Apple watch wearers. And, and I think some of it is, uh, the products are, are actually kind of complementary. I mean, what, what are the properties of the Aura ring? Well, it's, it's very small. It's light weighs about four grams. You put it on, you barely know you have it on. It's not another screen. It's not asking for your attention. It's not, you know, uh, bleeping or vibrating or poking at you. It's just, you know, passively monitoring your biometrics. And then relaying that data to uh, to your phone, where you can look at it at your leisure, and and you think about the, the the sort of core of that battery life and sort of seamlessly integrating into your into your you know your personal life, it really looks more like jewelry than it looks like a, an electronic. You know, it's not it's not a screen that you're wearing on your body. It's it's just a piece of jewelry. Now, the the other thing that I think this is really important to recognize is that the core and the foundation of Aura is sleep. And um, tracking your sleep and understanding your sleep is something that the product does extremely well. That's that is its um, that's where it started. It's actually something that the founders realized really early on, which is that sleep is this both really powerful thing for your health. If you do something positive for your sleep, you will uh, absolutely have a positive impact on on your health. Um, and maybe more importantly. Uh, tracking your sleep is is best done with something that's not going to interrupt you. It's not going to it's not going to vibrate or light up in the middle of the night. It's going to be something that's going to be you know calming and relaxing. So the the key here is that if you think about your your daytime wearable, whether it's a, a watch or something else, your daytime wearable is tracking a lot of your activity during the day. And where Aura really excels is one tracking overnight. And there's something really smart about tracking overnight. And that's that your body is in the same state, give or take, night after night after night for a long period of time. And that makes a really great way to get a good signal from your body. You're not going to get a bunch of noise. Um, uh, the way Aura works is that it collects your data over time. And over the first two weeks, it's kind of learning you. It's learning what your baseline is for heart rate, learning what your baseline is for heart rate variability, learning what your baseline is for temperature. And then it starts to look for deviations from those baselines. And the fact that you're sort of collecting data in the same state night after night after night gives you a really clean signal when something changes. Whereas if, if you're wearing something during the day, there's a lot of noise. You know, you might be running up and down the stairs or you might be having a really stressful meeting. You might be, uh, you might be, you know, so, something's going on with you that, that puts some noise into that data. And, and most people think of their daytime wearables as something that they look at, you know, kind of um, in the moment. Whereas I think we think of, of Aura as something that you look at over time. And we give you insights based on the changes over time. Um, a, a very simple example would be uh, one of the things that the, the ring does very well is, is um, women's health. And it uses temperature to sort of make a prediction about where you are in your cycle. And the thing is, is that in order to make that prediction really accurate, you need to have a good picture of what your, your cycle and your temperature look like normally. And then you want to be able to say, all right, well, where are you based on what your temperature is you know, right now? And what, what's interesting about that is that you want as many temperature samples as you can get so you can make sure you've got a really, really clean signal to make a really good prediction. And, and I think Aura is uh, arguably the most accurate uh, in terms of making a prediction about your cycle, far more accurate than a calendar-based method, 
uh, far more accurate than than uh, something that might you know might be a wrist wearable where you might get maybe eight or ten you know readings that are really spot on over the course of thirty days. You're getting continuous overnight measurement with Aura, and that gives you a really good clean picture of when your cycle's coming. So I think we are are really maybe unjustly proud of the accuracy that Aura provides you. But a big portion of that is the fact that it's continuous overnight wear, the fact that it's worn here. Uh, this, this position on the human body turns out to be a very, very good place to measure um, the uh, flow of your, of your blood. Why is that? It's because when your heart pumps, the leading edge of your pulse goes right here. This is the first stop you know, uh, on the wearable train that your blood makes. Whereas by contrast here, you're actually getting blood on the return trip to the heart. Uh, it's capillary action. There's a lot of hair and skin and bone and sinew here that might create noise in your signal. Whereas here, it's actually quite clean. You've got about two or three millimeters of uniform flesh. And if you go to a, a doctor, when they put the little clamp on your finger to check your, your uh, heart rate, they put it here. And it's the same technology. They put it here because this is the best place to measure it uh, most accurately on your body. So it, we think about accuracy, we think about overnight wear, and, that, and ultimately that becomes very complementary to something that you might wear on your wrist. Now, that being said, lots of people also say, I want to wear normal wrist watches, and a ring is a way I track in my metrics. Some people say, I can't sleep with a big wrist watch. You know, I put my, my uh, head underneath uh, my head on top of my hand, and I don't want a big band or a big wrist, um, you know, a big um, watch face there. It's different for different people, but... Um, you know, I think the ring form factor has a number of advantages in terms of accuracy, continuous wear, and obviously just the the, the feel of, of wearing something like that. Tom, this is awesome. Um, can you share a little bit, I mean, you did touch on this in terms of women's health, but is there anything else that Aura is kind of taking the charge and leading in women's health and, and data collection on that front? Yeah. I mean, look, I, I think obviously women's medicine has been practiced on the averages based on men for, for decades. And, and so there's lots of interesting, call it um, horizons for people to study here. Um, uh, there's, there's very interesting things happening right now. And I think wearables actually are, are on the leading edge of it. You can think about the, the various stages that people go through, women as they, as they go through their life and how their body changes. It's typical during you know, menopause that you might, your sleep kind of goes to hell. And actually a lot of um, Aura customers are women who are going through menopause and have come to the product because their sleep has gone to hell and they want to kind of get, get a hold on it. One of the things that, that I think is, is really interesting is um, we're starting to see a real trend towards people who don't want uh, to take hormonal or uh, you know, interventions uh, for contraception that are um, you know, either a surgical implant <clears throat> or you know, a pill that they have to take. So we've got a partner named uh, Natural Cycles who uses the data coming from the ring, the temperature data from the ring, to make a prediction about where you are in your cycle and the probability of, of getting pregnant or not based on that. And so it's a FDA uh, cleared product. So it's been approved by the FDA for contraception. It's very effective. If you follow the instructions, it's very good. Now, the way people used to do it is that they used to put a, a thermometer in their mouth and they'd enter in the data. Uh, or have the data, you know, go from the thermometer. The, the, the challenges are one, you have to kind of do it right as you wake up. Your temperature rises as you wake up. And if you don't put it right in, your temperature might rise. And that could give you a, a, a bum reading that, that could potentially make the, the contraception less effective. Again, we collect it overnight. We collect your temperature. We sample it many times over the course of the evening and make sure that you're, you know, you're getting a really clean read and a really accurate depiction of where you are in terms of your body's fertility. So fertility is another one. 
we think pregnancy is going to be a really interesting horizon. We're doing a study called the bump study, where we're looking at the biometrics of women as they go through their, their uh, three trimesters, uh, you know, 37 weeks, 36 weeks of pregnancy, and look and see how their, their bodies are changing. So a lot of really interesting science is surfacing. And I think it'll be really amazing to see what we learn about what, you know, what it means. And, and maybe there's a prediction to be made. Like if something changes in your physiology, does this mean that something's going wrong with the pregnancy that you might want to take a look at? So we're really excited actually about women's health, um, that coupled with, um, sleep and, um, readiness, which is basically a measure of your body's uh, capability. Each day we give you a readiness score and it tells you how are, how are you, you know, kind of configured is your temperature elevated is your respiration elevated versus your baseline. What's your HRV, which is heart rate variability. It's a very powerful metric, fast moving metric. It tells you a little bit about the state of recovery of your body. So we give you that score. And then I think just recently we introduced something that's quite cool, which is stress. So now every 15 minutes during the day, we can give you a little bit of a readout on your, on your stress, which is based on your temperature, your daytime heart rate variability, your heart rate um, and your motion to kind of give you a sense of like, Hey, am I stressed or not? What's, what's happening with my, with my body? We like to say that aura gives everybody a voice and, and the people who use aura and love aura are really, they're surprised sometimes by what they learn that they didn't know was going on in their body. And that's, that's a really powerful thing to do. Well, I will say that since I got my aura ring, I realized that I'm an incredibly light sleeper. So I need to integrate some of the things that you mentioned um, in terms of temperature and, and potentially getting a gravity blanket or something so that I can increase the deep sleep and the, and the REM sleep, which is so important for our overall sleep health. Just, just try changing you know, one variable at a time and then seeing how, how your scores change and then and you'll find what works for you. And I think that's, that's the other thing, honestly, that, that's been really uh, an exciting discovery for, for the company and for me in person it, is that like actually everybody's really different. Um, you know, some people, they have a, uh, you know, everyone knows that the average temperature is 98.6 degrees. Well, the reality is that's not entirely true. People have a range of temperatures that, that you know, sometimes uh, one, it changes. Your temperature changes overnight, changes with your cycle if you're, if you're a woman. And, and by the way, your, your temperature might not be 98.6. So I, I know somebody who's, you know, got a, an average temperature of sort of 97.1. And you know what, when he goes to the doctor and they put a thermometer in his mouth and say your temperature is 98.6, you know what he's got? A fever, right? So it's, 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 it's really important to recognize that not, <clears throat> not every human is the same and not everything works the same for each human. And I think this is really the spirit of, of Aura, which is that, you know, you start to learn what works for you and you can see numbers that will help you support the decision-making. You know, am, am I getting enough deep sleep or enough REM sleep or, you know, am I getting ill? Uh, one of the classic things is that people, you know, will find out from Aura that uh, they're getting COVID. Um, and during, during COVID, this was, this was, uh, you know, we, we would see this all the time. People would say, oh my God, you know, I got that notification from my ring asking me to go into rest mode because it, it sort of sees that you've deviated from your baseline of your temperature or your respiration or your HRV. And it says, Hey, listen, looks like you might not be recovered. You might want to go into rest mode. And that almost always preceded COVID by about two and a half days. In fact, there's a big UCF study. Uh, UCSF uh, study called the Tempredix study, which did this across 60,000 people and was able to, you know, demonstrate that those uh, three or four metrics were very predictive of a COVID infection two or three days later, um, you know, published in nature. This is, this is, you know, science that says, look, your body is telling you 
you're getting sick and you may not know, you may not have you know, symptoms yet. You may not be, uh, you may not be you know, able to detect it with a, a test, but your, your body knows because it's already starting to fight the infection. Tom, I believe it's you've that you uh, that has said this in the past, but that hardware is hard and requires discipline. Can you elaborate on kind of some of the specific challenges that Aura faces in terms of integrating hardware and software and then how you're addressing those challenges? Yeah, I mean, hard, hardware is hard and, and maybe making something that is very, very small that has a very, very long battery life is even harder. It might might be, you know, among among the most difficult challenges. Um, it's a miniaturization challenge. It's a uh, battery usage challenge. It's <clears throat> it's something that, that I think the Aura team has done a, a really amazing job, not just being able to manufacture something like this. That's, that's a real, you know, kind of a miracle of engineering with all the electronics on it. But the battery on this thing is, is roughly, you know, 15 times smaller than maybe a wrist wearable, uh, an Apple watch say, um, but it has like almost six or seven times the battery life. Now, why is that? Well, you know, it doesn't have a screen. Um, it's very efficient in terms of its duty cycle. It doesn't run the radio the whole time. It, you know, it powers things up and powers them down very efficiently. That's one of the maybe most important things that, that we've had to solve for. And that really is about the integration of, of the hardware and the software. Now, um, it's, it's hard to do hardware because the, the you know, tolerances and the, the ability to modify your product is actually pretty low. Yes, you can update the firmware, but if you get something wrong, um, fundamental, particularly in something that's, that's trying to, to measure your physiology in a way that, that you know, wants to be as, as clinical grade as it can be. I mean, we're not a medical device, uh, but we, you know, we are very, very accurate when it comes to measuring your heart rate variability, your heart rate, your temperature. So getting all that right, it means a ton of testing, a ton of validation. Um, you know, we end up manufacturing, you know, a large number of rings and having people wear them. And then we validate the data that's coming off the ring. It's a, it's a very challenging thing to do. And you know, we've, we've raised um, a good pool of capital to go and do that. You know, this is not something for the faint of heart. Now, when you add software into it, it becomes even you know, more challenging because you, you start to say, well, what, what is it that the software needs to do? Well, it needs to really count on the data coming from the hardware, and you need to be able to move that data between the hardware to the phone, where uh, it turns out a lot of the processing that we do actually happens on the phone when we're making you know, insights or understanding what, what the meaning of a particular signal is. Um, it, that, that combination, again, goes back to battery life. We have to be really efficient and really effective at moving the data between the two devices so that you don't end up just, you know, constantly running the battery um, and trickling data across. So we do a lot of things where we're very efficiently syncing the data between the phone and, and the ring. Now, that's a, a, a you know, kind of a, a little view into it. How does the team do it? Well, you know, I think we've organized into, you know, a, a way that allows us to work across firmware, software, hardware, science. Um, to be really effective, and and I think it takes um, you know it takes a ton of of planning and foresight to build hardware, and as you probably know, software tends to be something where you want to be as agile as possible, and so getting those two things to work in in like a, a cadence that works, that's been a real challenge. Our, our hardware cadences look like this, but our software cadences, you know, they're much shorter, more iterative cycles. So we try and find ways to sync them up together so that they can hit the same milestones. But it boils down to being planful. And I think that's probably, you know, that's that's the lesson of building hardware is that you have to be really thoughtful, have a long ability to look ahead. Um, you can iterate your software, but only so much as the as the hardware lets you.
I can't even imagine, Tom, just the challenges and probably discussions around that uh, battery life and, 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 and things like that, like to the end user, um, like how much time you guys actually spend in looking at all of those different areas and, and how every, every new feature, every new uh, component that you add to it can, can drain that battery or, um, yeah, I guess what, what type of new features and things keep, keep you up at night? What, what's your aura ring telling you, uh, <laughs> that, <laughs> Well, I tell you, the stress feature was was a real eye opener for me personally. Um, you know, basically, what's by by looking at your physiology, you, you you learn when your body is stressed, even if you may not feel stressed. So here was the surprise story for me. I went to a a party. We were throwing a party at the health conference, um, which was um, I guess a month ago in Las Vegas. John, that's where we met. That's right, exactly. And we we threw this party, and it was you know maybe a hundred people or something like that in a relatively compressed space, and. Um, my experience at the party was actually quite pleasant. I was enjoying myself. I was having conversations with people. There were a lot of people who were there to talk about, you know, aura or to meet, meet up and, you know, it just felt like a great sort of social event. And I went back later and looked at my, uh, my stress results and I was, I was pegged at stress the whole time. <laughs> it was like, and I think what's, what's, that's, what's telling about that is that actually now, as I think about it, like I was really trying to kind of monitor a lot of different things. The, the, the space was a little bit cramped and I was worried about people who weren't able to get into the space. There were a lot of people who wanted to talk to me. There were people who were coming to, that I was trying to meet, that I was trying to kind of, you know, make sure that I spent time with. And it's funny, I didn't think of it. I didn't experience it as stress, but my body was like on full, you know, alert mode. And I think, I think what's, what's really interesting about something like that is that, again, you know, we go through life and, and no one gives you an instruction manual for your body. No, no one's telling you like what's normal. You kind of learn over, over the course of your life. Like what's normal? How does, when do I feel good? When do I feel bad? What feels, what, what behaviors are good? And I think this is a little bit of a shortcut for you to find out like what, you know, what your body is really telling you and what behaviors and choices you can make that are going to result in healthy habits. And having that reinforced with a consistent stream of data and your own personal baseline, I, I think it's a game changer. I think it really, the people who, who get into aura and really make the most of it. They really, they feel like the thing knows them. You know, they talk about aunt and aura who's like always looking out for you. Like, Hey, uh, Lily, you're looking a little tired right now. Maybe you should take a break, you know? And, and the thing is, is that because their physiology is saying that they have permission and they give themselves permission to take a break, which frankly, in our culture, you know, I think we're a go-go culture of let's make it happen. And, and, and honestly, giving, having someone tell you to take a, that it's okay to take a break. That's welcome. And a lot of people really connect with that, that side of the product. Um, and of course, it's all based in your physiology, right? It's not, we're not, it's not just, you know, some, some thing that's saying, it's like, look, you really could use a break. You're on the brink of getting sick or, you know, you're on the brink of, of, you know, getting your period or you had a bad night's sleep or your temperature's elevated. All these things are signals that your body's trying to tell you. And you may not be aware of them until maybe it's too late. That's right. And I do remember you sharing that story, actually, when you were up on stage with Ariana Huffington about that incredible uh, happy hour that you hosted. It was, I think it was a huge success and I could not tell at all that you were stressed or anything like that. So you hit it amazingly, but it's true that you have to go back to your aura ring to really see if like where you're at and what your stress level is. So it is a, a really valuable feature. Well, you think there's so many things that stress affects. I mean, stress affects your, your, your cognition, stress affects your emotional state. Um, if you're pregnant, I mean, all they tell you about if you're pregnant is to avoid stress. 
right? You, you're going to devote all of your energy to, uh, you know, building a new human inside of you. It, it, it's really interesting, though, to, to note that, like, not all stress is bad. Um, in fact, if you think about exercise, exercise is stress. Um, and if you're stressing yourself with, with exercise, you're, you're kind of training your brought your body to rise to that occasion. And if you recover, then the truth is the next time, you know, your body's going to be a little bit more fit. Your muscles will be a little bit stronger. Your uh, endurance will be a bit longer, your cardiovascular, a little bit better. So you actually need stress in your life. Stress is an, an adaptation that like over, you know, a hundred thousand human generations and maybe, you know, a, a million generations of animals uh, and creatures before stress is something that like is part of life. And so it's not just about avoiding stress, it's about stress and recovery, which is the approach that we take. We want you to, to understand when you're stressed and then also understand that how you're building resilience to that stress. And, and Tom, looking forward, you know, what, what's next for Aura in terms of product development and market expansion? And, and if you can share, are there any new partnerships or anything on the horizon? If not, totally understand, but I had to ask. Oh, well, listen, I mean, we, we're not going to lay out the, the roadmap here for you. Um, although I, I appreciate the attempt. That was, that was a, a game effort. Um, you know, we're constantly releasing new features. That's, that's part of the kind of promise of Aura is that, you know, we're constantly um, driving forward uh, the innovation on the product. Um, you know, we ship probably two to three features every month, you know, that, that, are, that are either tweaks or major new features like, like stress. Um, and continue to push on that. Uh, from the partnership perspective, uh, you know, I think because we have this incredible accuracy in terms of the data, many partners want to work with us because they can interpret that data and use it for their own purposes and their own applications. I'll give you a, a quick example. So we've been pushing a lot on, on the women's health space. I talked about our partner, Natural Cycles. It's an amazing company. If you've never uh, taken a look at it, you absolutely should. You know, young, young women are, are flocking to, to, to not have uh, hormonal birth control, but we're starting to look at the other uh, women's health apps. So Glow and uh, uh, Clue are two, and uh, Flow is another. Where where we want to make sure that we're providing them the, the same kind of information that can allow them to make really accurate predictions about the state of a woman's health. And so those are some that actually just actually this uh, Monday we we launched with uh, with uh, Clue and Glow. Um, and so so those those two integrations are now live in their apps. And as, as we look ahead, I think one of the things I, I was really impressed by is that they actually started ingesting the stress data. And so they're starting to kind of present that stress data to their users uh, right in line. And as we look ahead, I think there's lots of things that we can do. Um, if, you, if you think about the, um, uh, again, this position on the human body being the most accurate, meaning that we can see a really, really clean view of what your heart rate looks like. So if you imagine, you know, everyone knows what your heart rate looks like. It's like a little double notched, uh, you know, kind of saw tooth. You know, um, and that's, and that's really what we see. And we see that because it's right here on the finger where we can see it. Um, and that, that signal is as accurate as an ECG. And we can start to say, well, how is that signal <clears throat> changing over time? What does it mean if it changes? If you're measuring here, you're not going to get that kind of fidelity. You'll see something that looks you know, maybe more like a, a, a curve as opposed to something that looks like an actual heart rate. So that, that, that kind of the features of that heart rate, I think is going to unlock a lot for us from the perspective of understanding heart health. Um, it, it'll be really interesting to see what wearables can do over the next couple of years, particularly as, as we kind of get into the next stride where AI and machine learning are, are being used to create algorithms that are really predictive of what's happening in your health. So, you know, we kind of had this vision that like maybe you'd end up with you know, your, your wearable on your body, everyone's got a phone. 
So everyone should have a wearable that talks to their phone and then their phone starts to really understand them in a way that's, that's really profound and maybe even, you know, give them advice to, on how to improve their health or to, to, you know, get them to, to change their behaviors. Think of it as like a doctor in your pocket and people are experimenting with, you know, the, the large language models to, to, to look at how they might provide coaching. That's, you know, not quite a doctor, you know, no one wants to call it a doctor, but is really giving you access to information and guidance that's customized to you because it's based on your data and based on your health condition and based on the system's knowledge of you. I think that's a really powerful and exciting vision. And I think, um, you know, Aura, along with others, I think have, have the vision that, that wearables have a big role to play with that. And there is something to be said about what someone mentioned to me. Uh, it was the first, it was the chief operating officer of Kasana, the, you know, the, the smart toilet seat, not a wearable, but, uh, and then we talked with their CEO at health, that screen anxiety, right? They don't have a mm. screen, not having that screen and just yeah. having the data get passed through. So what you're doing with your ring, um, it, it's the, the constant, uh, looking down at a, whether it's a watch or something with a screen, the fact that I don't always have to see that I was like, if you, if you were seeing that you were stressed, it might've changed how you interacted with people, right? At the, at the conference, the fact that right. you could look after and say, wow, I was stressed. It changes things. Yeah. Yeah. It's, it's, a, I think it's more intentional than, than maybe just sort of an alert. I mean, look, I think there's a lot of value in getting an alert. You know, I think my, my, my wife will tell you that like being able to get a hold of me is really powerful. It's, it's important to be able to get a hold of somebody and, and having, having something on your body that's bleeping and burping. I, I don't actually wear one because I think I find, I find that it's, it, it can be interruptive, as you said. Um, but, you know, knowing, knowing that my health status is being monitored 24-7 and that, you know, the next time I check, uh, I'll get a sense of it. One, one pattern that we see all the time, you see this in our data, is, is what we call the morning moment. People wake up, um, they get, you know, they, they, they you know, grab their phone and they look and they sort of look at their aura score to see, like, how did they sleep and how's their day going to go? And, you know, if, if they slept terribly and they have a low readiness score, they might take it easy, you know, or if they slept well, as I did, you know, on Saturday night, I, I was like, I'm going to push it, you know, uh, on Sunday at my workout, I'm going to go for it. And, and that kind of, uh, call it situational awareness around not just your health situation, but maybe someone else's too, is really powerful. We have a feature called circles where you can see other people in a kind of a close family kind of, or a close friend group. You can sort of see what their scores are. And so, for example, um, I know somebody whose wife was going through chemotherapy and based on on her aura scores, he would change his plans for the day. He might come home from work early. He might, you know, offer to pick up the kid from school or what, whatever was going, because, you know, based on on the metrics that were pre presented into the into the app, he had a sense of how they were doing. And, and that's that's like, you know, you, you think about like, OK, that's that seems sort of obvious. Right. I mean, we should all know how someone's doing. But but do you really know exactly how your partner's doing? You know, they might tell you that they're tired. You might be like, oh, come on. You know, you got to pick up the kids today. But if you see their physiology is actually quite, quite run down, you, you might make a different decision. It just gives you a different awareness. I think that's really powerful. And, and I think that's novel. I think we're going to see more and more of that as, as wearables continue to proliferate and as people become more accustomed to sort of, I don't know, this is maybe a bigger story for healthcare, which is I think people are, are becoming far more the driver of their health journey than the passenger. Um, you know, there's there's a, a great book called the, the, the Patient Will See You Now, and it's about basically applying consumer expectations to healthcare. 
where, you know, your consumer expectation is that like, you know, this experience is really optimized for you. It's personalized for you. It's really oriented around your needs, not the doctor's needs. Who's trying to get through as many, you know, visits in the day and only has 10 minutes to talk to you. How do you make a great experience out of that? Well, it turns out that actually an educated patient who knows what's going on in their body and has an understanding of how their trends are changing might be a better patient. Um, and it's a, it's a, it's a pretty interesting change. I think, I think we're starting to see some of this in, in concierge medicine as, as you know, folks, many concierge docs will use the aura ring to kind of have an understanding of what's going on in their patients. I think we're starting to see a little bit of that value-based care might, might, you know, be able to, you, you might use the, a wearable to track the outcomes of, of some intervention or behavior change that you're trying to enforce, trying to say like, how is this working for you? Um, and, you know, maybe it becomes the metric of success that you might base a value-based care, um, you know, reimbursement on. So I, I think there's lots of really interesting things afoot here, uh, which are all born by the fact that you've got something on your body 24-7 that's just measuring what your body's doing. And I can attest to that battery life. It's, it's quite long. So it's a great feature of the, the product. Um, Thank you for representing. Like, respect. Yeah, of course, of course. Well, um, I have to ask, like, when is when is too early, or is there is there too early to become a or a user? Like, what age do you suggest folks? You know, to it's, it's a it's a really good question. I mean, I, we're somewhat limited by size. I think the the smallest size that we have is a size six, which you know is probably an adult or, or at least a, a young adult, particularly if you're female or have a, a more petite form. So, so I think that's, that's probably where, where it starts. Um, you know, we certainly have people who have, um, you know, given them to, to younger kids or kids for whom they fit. Um, we do see that as an opportunity to expand that. I, I, you know, I, I think honestly, if you think about um, forming healthy habits, whether it's sleep or how you think about exercise or how you think about, uh, rest and recovery or how you think about metabolic health. I think the truth is, is that you should start that as, as, as young as possible. Habits are formed in, in, in particularly healthy habits are formed in, in, in youth. And so um, I think that's a really interesting frontier for us to explore. And, and maybe as we, you know, kind of go forward, we end up with smaller and smaller sizes or, you know, a, a different kind of wearable for, for, um, for younger kids. And, and, and I think that's a pretty interesting kind of horizon to look at. But, but right now I'd say, you know, 16, 17, 18, that's probably the sweet spot for where people come into it. Um, you know, it's, it's, it's not uncommon. We see this a lot. We see families who wear aura, you know, the, maybe one member of the family gets it and then they buy it for the, their, you know, their spouse and then they buy it for the kids and then they're worried about their parents. So they buy it for their parents and then, you know, the whole, the whole group, and then they form a circle and then start to share data with each other. It's a really interesting phenomenon. Um, people give this product a lot. Once, once they become, you know, fans of the product, it becomes a gift of, of health. You know, they're giving someone a, a way to monitor and manage their health. And that's, that's a loving gift. That's a kind gift. Tom, I have one last question for you. It's actually a segment I never get to do with anyone, but <laughs> no. you're, you're a special guest, so we can do it get, with you. Okay. It's called okay. Name Drop. Okay. Oh, please, I don't want a name drop. I want to hear some of the celebrities that you can say, some of the athletes that are using the Aura Ring. What you can say, maybe some you can't, but I would love to hear that. Uh, you know, one of the things that, that is really foundational for us is that um, we are the stewards of the data that belongs to the people who wear the Aura Ring. This is not our data. We don't sell it. We don't, 
we use it for advertising. We don't talk about it. It is health data and it is, you know, it's a precept of, of healthcare that like your health data is your health data. And we do not share that. Um, and so just to be really clear, that's, that's the, the, you know, we talk a lot about data sovereignty where you're the sovereign of your data. Um, so, you know, unless you were to, to give us consent, we would, we would absolutely not um, even look at your data. So, you know, you have to give us consent to even look at it. So um, there are some people who are quite public and, and so I'll, I'll recount just a couple. Um, uh, so uh, there is a, a, a story that is internet famous where uh, Kim Kardashian and Gwyneth Paltrow were competing over their sleep scores um, and having a public, you know, kind of Twitter back and forth, uh, I guess before it was known as X, it was known as Twitter, for those of you who don't know. Um, and, and they, and they were competing and, and posting their scores. And that, that was, uh, that was actually something that helped put us uh, on the map, um, you know, from, from the perspective of, of people being aware of it. And then there's one that, that, um, he's, he's, a, 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 an ambassador for Aura. His name is uh, Chris Paul. He's a basketball player, plays for the Golden State Warriors now. He's having a great season there. Um, and, uh, he, he tells a story, which, which I'll relate to you, which is one day, uh, he was, and this was when he was playing it, not, not a Golden State, but a different, different basketball team. And he, he got his, he looked at his aura score and he, he was crushing it. His readiness was in the high nineties. And the message that, that the aura app gave him was bring it on. And it turned out that this was like game six of a seven game championship series. <laughs> and so he brought it on and he scored 42 points. And I think that, you know, there's an element of, of psychology there where like, you know, you're, you're, your psychology says you can go for it. And so you do. And as a result, you have an amazing outcome, but there's also a big element of physiology, which is that he was absolutely, you know, well-rested and well-recovered and his body was at peak form. And so he had a, 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 an incredible game. So those are a couple, I don't really want to go much further than that. Uh, I, I think, you know, no, that's just, great. We're not just know that, uh, talk about anything uncomfortable. <laughs> no, that was, that I, was great. I, I love how you answered that too, because it hit upon the the data security. It like people want to hear that, but yeah. I mean, who doesn't know Gwyneth Paltrow, uh, Kim Kardashian, and Chris Paul? So I'm, I'm I am glad we got that out of you, uh, <laughs> Layla. And I really appreciate you coming on, Tom. This was fun. Me too. My Thank pleasure. You. Yeah. Well, thanks, you guys. I, I hope you uh, have have a great day, and uh, that you, if Layla, for wearing the ring, wear it in good health, and I hope it helps you, uh, you know, achieve your sleep goals. So uh, thanks for having me. Thank <laughs> you.